welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jerry Springer. How come we never have further ado? <laughs> I mean, what Sometimes does it, we what should does just say, here's even... Jerry with some further ado. <laughs> yeah, and what is ado? Because it's just Gene. Adieu means goodbye, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Further goodbye. No, no. I don't know. Hey, welcome back to yeah. Megan Hills, by the yes. way. Yay! I'm so happy to yeah. be back. Yeah. I missed you guys. Yeah, you were released a week early. I was. Right? Yeah. It was supposed to be a three-week sentence. They went like... She was in the, <laughs> I guess it's K- Women's Kentucky Correctional Oh, knock so, it off. I was recruiting No, she's in an HR <laughs> manager, <laughs> big company. In Indiana. I was. I was at the University of Indi- Indiana in Bloomington. It was oh, lovely. Yeah. It was yeah. really cool. Great place. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to hear a little bit later on from Jerry Springer to talk about the uh, travel ban. We, we call it the, the Muslim yeah. uh Band that's going on. I'm just trying to get Trump across people. the river, and then I know it's all your. They don't want you there either, though. And we have Mavis Guitar, that's a group, a duo that's going to play a little bit later on. Hey, but the first thing, uh, Jerry, I need to ask you about your. La- Megan, the last few weeks we've had trouble with Jerry's phone. People should know oh. Facebook Live. We're on Facebook. Oh Live. yeah, hi. And <laughs> I was like, I didn't set that up, so how'd it go? <laughs> it didn't go so well. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> well, Facebook Live is done on Jer- literally Jerry Springer's iPhone. But yes. from my Facebook account. <laughs> it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. But at any rate, uh, last week we went dark for about five minutes. Wow. We had technical problems. And then, so Jerry was all like freaking out. There's something wrong. The crew was saying, your phone's all effed up. You have to fix, get your phone fixed. <laughs> So, Jerry, uh, tell us what happened. So well, you went... because I had been having trouble with uh, the uh, charger. Oh, okay. And I thought, well, I had a bad charger, so I got another charger. I got two other chargers. And then you guys put in your charger, uh, to, and it wouldn't, you had to stand there and hold it. And, you know, you got a lot of stuff on your iPhone, right? And, and, and so the next day, I went to an Apple store. And I walk in, they got all these... There's no one with 40 years of my age in an Apple store. Right. I mean, okay. Except for people that wandered kids? in and just got confused. Yeah. And they were going so to I go in and the, the guy calls me up, up there and, you know, they, they all have these headsets on. And what's the problem? And I said, it doesn't charge. When you put the charger in there, it, it, it just doesn't work. So he says, hmm, give me a moment. He goes back. They go, oh, I'm took your phone. What, he took the him. phone. It looks like I'm going to have to uh, get a new phone. And, and he comes back. He said, here, it works now. And I said, what, 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 did you put something in? He says, no, you had lint in it. <laughs> in front of all these people. And they're all going, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. That is an old man's problem. Yes, it is. There is no old man 30-year-old, 25-year-old kid that... I got lint phone in my phone. <laughs> the lint got into the thing there, and so you can't... We're going to call that hashtag old man problems. So right you there. spend all this money on a phone like that, and it gets felled by lint. 
Yes. <laughs> hey, well, and while I we're... Maybe keep the lint out your pockets, Jer. I, I, I think just, we're on a roll, Megan. And like uh, you said, you're so old. Yeah. So... Yeah. So, Megan, pick up your phone, please, and go to jerryspringer.com. And anybody listening, whether you're listening live on our stream, Facebook Live, or in an archive version that? later, go to jerryspringer.com. It's the website for the podcast. Everybody in the audience, if you go on your phones, go to jerryspringer.com. You'll see, Megan, do you remember we had a promotion or a contest or a poll on the front page? It was a crop picture of just Jerry's face. Yeah. And it said, should this picture be shown in its entirety? Because Jerry, here's the backstory. In the 1970s, Jerry competed, and this is in Wikipedia, by the way. Jerry competed for the Miss Universe, Mr. Universe contest. Have I said miss? I meant mister. He was a contestant in the Mr. Universe competition. Yeah. Click on that picture, Megan, and you now will see what, what I'm calling the full Monty. Expose. The people spoke 91%. You oh, can't, my God! You can't put that on. That, that's ridiculous. Hold that up. No, oh wait a second. Oh, my gosh. That's outrageous. That's really what do you mean it's outrageous? <laughs> it's not like you got a pair of swimming I mean, trunks that on. during the war. <laughs> Now, there's a new poll question Holy up there. Cow. And the question is... Turn me on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's doing hey. something. I'm just feeling dinner. Yeah. Like, you in town long? <laughs> I hate you. Oh, Freaking Christ. Hey, here's, so I'm holding my stomach in. Well, you're posing. That's a Mr. Universe contest pose, yeah, isn't Arnold it? pose. Is that what that is? You know what? <laughs> we threw can't, it down. We can't He's put disgusted. that up. Well, it's on the yeah. web, but, but it says it's there the poll the question is for Get the some link. For the, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's your website. If you oh, want it to come down, it will come down. It's your website. You pay for it. Now, mm-hmm. all you have to do is show me a court injunction, no, and I will take it down. down. <laughs> Why is it up there? Because people. 91% of the poll respondents demanded that picture go full Monty. See, they and this to is see what's wrong with America. Not the That's crop a version. They wanted to see the whole picture. Huge we, problem We with gave America. the people what they asked for. Yeah, well. Mm-hmm. Your reaction, though. <laughs> it was true, I man. Get Keep it fresh. Oh, it's real shock. Sorry, Jerry. Love you. Mickey had a look at that. For many years. 43. Another reason that woman deserves a medal. So many medals. <laughs> I saw when you when we came in, you were in deep conversation with a guy, an older guy, older than no, you. No, shut are, up. Oh, yeah. Just Where stop it? it. When you came into <laughs> the folk school nice coffee gentleman. parlor. Yeah. What was that all about? I saw well, you. I and just, tell him, he's, he's talking to me about his, he, has, he had a new hearing aid. Oh, really? And he just goes on. This is the finest hearing aid money can buy, Jerry. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. <laughs> So I see a lot changed in the two weeks. <laughs> really, nothing's changed. I know. This is great. So I want to know what kind of trouble you guys got into oh. while I was gone. What'd you do? Yeah. My psychiatrist told me I'm crazy. I said, I want a second opinion. He says, okay, you're ugly too. Oh my God. I am so sorry that y'all had to put up this with this for two weeks. Hey, Megan. Hey, Jean. I don't know if I ever told you about my uncle Antonio. You can go right to hell. He's on the, <laughs> he's on the Italian side of my family. I'm uh-huh. half yeah. Irish, half Italian. Yeah. <laughs> And it made me think of you because you were a bartender. <laughs> I was. Back in the day when you were like in years. college and after yeah. that. Yep. And um, there, this is sad, and my family's not proud of this. My Uncle Antonio has a serious drinking problem, and he's a worse kind of drinker. He's a bar drunk. 
Did okay. you ever know those people who would just come in, sit on a bar, Absolutely. and just get drunk? You probably overserved a bunch of them. I am very <laughs> guilty of overserving. No. Yes. <laughs> My uncle Antonio Jerry called me two days ago. I hate you. And said that he was sitting in the bar and he got into a conversation with, you're gonna laugh, a termite, uh, uh, the bug. And the termite I'm going to hop over this table and throw your skinny butt right out the window. I swear to God. I'm just telling you what the termite says. Yes, totally. And the termite said, where's the bartender? Just wait. <laughs> no, my God, not one lamp. Uh-uh. Where's the bartender? Uh-huh. A termite? You get uh-huh. A termite would want the bar to be tender. I, I understand. It just oh, wasn't you got funny. It. Oh, well, the problem was that you didn't get it. No, no, I got it. It was, it was just that funny. That is the not even my <laughs> grandson would give, tell that joke. I told you where. Rented. I told you where I got it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, we went to uh, Billy Crystal's concert. Um, I Thursday saw those pictures. That looks really cool. Yeah, that picture looked a little better. That looks much better <laughs> with, with all the clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> he is just, he's just the nicest guy. You know how you meet somebody that you've been a fan of, and you sometimes you're disappointed because in, you know, in real life they're not what you hoped they would Gee, be. Jerry, we don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> but he... He, yeah, he is just this really nice guy. I mean, he grew up like in the same neighborhood I did. You know, it was, we had Queens, similar backgrounds. Yeah, the, the, the New York Had you City. never met him before? I'd never met him before. Oh, I love but him. But our lives are parallel. You know, the whole Jewish family upbringing, um, you know, middle income kind of thing. And he was a diehard Mickey Mantle fan, Aww, his relationship yeah. with Muhammad Ali, all that stuff. I mean, the way, but he tells this story in the show. About he has a six-year-old grandson, and he works just like I do with Richard. He works on jokes with his grandson. <laughs> his his daughter, who is the mother of his grandson, his daughter gets an email from the teacher in school <laughs> that he had inappropriately. Oh, you guys do have a lot in common. Yes, <laughs> that he had told this joke and it wasn't remotely appropriate. Yeah, and the he same got him as to, you. Yeah, got and then the daughter calls him up and says, "What are you doing, telling him this joke?" Yeah. Which is exactly what happened with my rented mule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still I love that story. That is a great story, yeah. and like Gene's termite story. Well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, that was horrible. <laughs> that if was there was a way to cut it out of this podcast, I'd say. No, you can't cut that. Out. No. Hey, I dropped about 18 F-bombs about three shows ago. We didn't cut that out. Why would we cut this out? I was, I was there for that one. That was a special night. A special one, yeah. Hey, Jerry, so at the end of, and you saw Billy Crystal in Sarasota at yes. like a theater or something, yes. I take it. Did, did he, uh, did you have a chance to talk oh, to yeah, him? Oh, yeah, then right? afterwards we went backstage, and honestly, he was just as nice as could be, oh, you know, because... You know, they're clearly, obviously, there are people in Hollywood that, you know, view me as real low class kind of. You know. But he was just as nice as could be. I, I don't buy that. <laughs> he says, "Jerry, come over here," and he talked with Mickey and me for you know a good ten minutes. So we were just trading we... stories. He's very political as well, as you know. Yeah. So we, sh- we shared political stories. He tells jokes about me when he's on tour. He was down in Australia. <laughs> And he said something. <laughs> no, this is he was in Australia he, uh, during the campaign, and he was telling the Australians that, you know, Hillary got her education in college and uh, various jobs she had, and Trump got his education watching my show. 
<laughs> and he says that always gets a big laugh, and I said thanks. Yeah. So when you meet, like, in all honesty, like when you meet other, when you meet celebrities, do they know about your political background? Is that yeah? Now they do. Now they do. In the early years, when I first started the show, and it went, you know, was so crazy. Sure. You know, the reputation, <laughs> truthfully, was horrible. But as opposed uh, to today, today it is just <laughs> well, check a, this a out. little bit horrible, but not as much. No, they, yeah, they do know. And now they're and we even see it on our Twitter account. You know, right, the, yep. the other Hollywood people or whatever known people are following us because of the political. Well, now they know about you at the White House Correspondents Association. Uh, which is the sort of the organizing body yeah. in at the White House. And so today, Sean Spicer announced that the Skype seats will begin next week. So let me remind you what the Skype seats are. <clears throat> the Trump administration, quick backstory, they're just trying to pimp the media any way they can, just to dig at them. So they were proposing to move all of the briefings over to a big auditorium across the White House campus to another place. And the White, White House correspondents went nuts over that. We want to be in this small room where we're all here. We got our preferential seating. We have access to the, all the centers of power that are doors away. Mm -hmm. So the Trump administration gave in, and they said, fine. So we they thought, well, screw you another way. We'll start these Skype seats. Watch this. And the Skype seats will bring in other people who aren't in that room, and then they'll have to share the time with these right. calls done over Skype. And we all know that Skype is, in fact, it can even be video. It can be audio, video, or both. So they're starting next week with the first four. Channel, Fox Channel 8 in Cleveland, a right-wing talk show host, somebody from Kentucky who runs a publishing organization, and I'm missing the fourth. So I promised on a previous episode, I'm going to get us a Skype seat, the Jerry Springer podcast. Oh, yeah, Trump will, yeah, they'll take so, that question. So be eaten up. They'll love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So today I went to work on it because I, you know, Megan, as a producer, does a very busy schedule. You know that. Both days a week that you work, Gene, are pretty involved. Yeah, yeah. My bad. All oh, this is within the business plan. Yeah. So anyway, I... I went online, I tried to find out, how the hell do you get a Skype seat? You cannot find out. There's nothing anywhere that says, here's the process, here's the application process. Sure. So I found the White House Correspondents Association, the WHCA, and I emailed them. I got a response back in about 10 minutes. And your <laughs> name's all in it. Because I said, look, I produce the Jerry Springer podcast here at jerryspringer.com. It's a political podcast. We would like to formally request a Skype seat for one upcoming briefing. So you just get it one time, and then the next day someone else gets one of the four. So um, they wrote back and said, uh, we're not the ones who do it, but they finally gave me an email address that is the one I could not find. So now I'm going to go to that address, and um, I will... I'll just make a wager here. I will bet. What, what do you think the chances are we can, that I'm going to get us a Skype seat? I think zero. Snowball's chance you think in hell. zero? Yep. Uh, do they have it below zero? Snowball's chance in hell. Snowball yeah. chance in hell. Yep. You chose yeah. to go the metaphorical I route. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I now think I'm going to go. the chances are better that Trump will increase his vocabulary. Or that the Bengals could win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, that neither Same of those thing. is going to happen. <laughs> Anyway, so the White House Correspondents Association are probably all up there laughing that the Jerry Springer podcast 
which, by the way, if they check one 10-second, you know, go onto the site, we're progressive. What they're doing is these Skype seats are all going to go to the friendly media. Yeah. Right. And yet he claims it's the people, and we are in the spectrum of attitude that, frankly, ought to get a seat sometimes. Yeah, but I'm an immigrant, so they won't permit it. Yeah, That's right. It's true. <laughs> and, by the way, if we somehow got one, it's you. Obviously, you are the one. We'll have to no, work I this out you with should, your schedule. No, I think you should give your joke. No, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> how about you go on there and tell an Uncle Antonio's joke and oh, see how really? that goes? Yeah. But... No, it's a termite, Megan. <laughs> Where's the bartender? Like, it's not funny, James. No, it's just, yeah. It wasn't funny anyway, when it was written. It wasn't funny when you told it. I think it's probably uh, going to circle around up there as a joke that the Jerry Springer podcast is trying to get one of these. Because I hope they see the humor in it. Sure. Because it's all a setup. Actually, and- I, I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner um, were you really? Yeah, I, you should try to get to this uh, one. for which president? I, I, um, it was Bush, and uh, I was a guest of uh, the New Republic. They had oh, a table, cool. and they—I think it was two thousand and three. That would be a hey, cool Jerry, experience. We need yeah, really to was. work on yeah. finding someone, some sponsoring you know group like that that would bring you to their table. That would really be cool. And then we all could go with you because you have, your entourage has to go with you your wherever entourage. you go. A guy like you can't just walk yeah, into a room. Boy, do I feel like I have security when you're yeah, with right. me. All buck ten of him boy, soaking wet's going to do something. <laughs> and my okay. picture, you know how right. I am. So yeah. clearly you're, you're yeah. bringing the I heat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of all this politics, this is like the one story in the very young Trump presidency where a story has occupied three straight days. Yeah. And he's had a lot of material where you just go at it for a day. But this is <laughs> yeah. like three state, straight days on the, I'm going to call it what it is, the Muslim ban mm-hmm. from seven predominantly, overwhelmingly Muslim yeah. countries. And what's your take on that sort of gnarly mess? Well, uh, you know when you take a needle and you, what do you call that when you? Prick. Gene, that, yeah. <laughs> that was a I joke. Want, I didn't <laughs> want to say it. it it's, it's the worst thing. It's, every day there's something. No, this is the worst thing. Um, he puts this 90-day ban over the, the weekend, and, and some people, obviously more people will be listening to this podcast, not live, but so time will have passed. But this is right after the weekend where he issued the executive orders to put a 90-day ban on immigration from seven mostly Muslim countries. In other words, the population is mostly Muslim. A uh, 120-day ban on all refugees from any place. And an indefinite uh, uh, ban on um, refugees from Syria. And he gives this order and... Uh, we all saw, you know, the, the total chaos. They didn't even bother to tell the State Department and uh, Homeland Security. There was just chaos. People stuck in the airports waiting for their families. You know, they get off the planes. They're not permitted um, to go and see their families. They're held there. Uh, people with green cards, they hadn't thought about that. I mean, it was just total chaos because they don't know what they're doing uh, other than try to do bad things. And... Uh, the first um, thought I had is, 
if this now is, and this is in the first two weeks of his presidency, if this is now our president and our symbol to the world, uh, I think we should give back the Statue of Liberty to France uh, because we're keeping it under false pretenses. Um, you know, this is a lie to the rest of the world. This is, this is like spitting on the flag, um, you know, what, what he did. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, national security. I mean, obviously, it has nothing to do with national security. You ban all refugees from Syria. There has not been one case in at least the last 30 years, not one case of one single Syrian refugee committing a terrorist act in the United States of America. Not one. So you're going to ban the whole religion, the whole population of Syria, uh, and you, you, you say it's national security. I mean, how dumb does he think we all are? Or Bannon, I should say Bannon's really the president. So, you know, what, you know what, what are they doing? And then, and then they say to try and make it better. Well, Christians will be given pre preference getting in. All right. So that's the thing that happened. And now, the next day after that, or that Monday, the acting attorney general, remember, we don't have an attorney general right now because Jeff Sessions, at least at the time of this podcast, hadn't yet been confirmed, and so the assistant attorney general, Sally Yates, uh, she says that the Justice Department can't defend this executive order until she is confident that it passes constitutional muster. This may be illegal. Didn't say it is illegal, say it may be illegal. It may be unconstitutional. She says we're not going to defend it. And Trump immediately then fires her for not following what he thinks is an order. And uh, right away, all of us old enough to remember, and the media certainly jumped on it, this was now the Monday Night Massacre. Uh, that term has relevance to those of us who are older, because back in 1973 with Richard Nixon, and this is amazing, two weeks into the presidency, we're already comparing Trump to Nixon. But in 1973, we had the Saturday Night ma Massacre. That was in the middle of Watergate. And Watergate, for our younger listeners, and you should have learned it in school, but that's when um, Nixon ordered a group of people to break into the Democratic Party headquarters and get information and stuff, and they were caught. And then they found out in investigating this that the White House had been involved, that they were doing a whole bunch of other things. The group was called the Plumbers, and they would just uh, do all these illegal acts. There was the illegal campaign financing, a whole bunch of criminal acts. And Nixon got in trouble, one, because he knew about it, and two, uh, because then they tried to cover it up. So that was the basic story of Watergate. Now, what happened during the hearings is that they then found out that Nixon was taping all conversations that were taking place in the White House. So there were tapes where the court could figure out, was he really involved or, or is he lying when he says, I didn't know anything about it? So they had to get those tapes. Through all that controversy, they pick a special prosecutor to look at this because they didn't trust that necessarily the uh, attorney general who works you know, with Nixon would be fair and impartial or wouldn't try to cover it up himself. So they had a special prosecutor, uh, a professor from Harvard, uh, Archibald Cox. Maybe it was Yale, whatever. He, it was Archibald Cox. 
And Cox said he wanted those tapes, goes to court to get the tapes. As soon as he said he wanted to listen to those tapes, all of a sudden Nixon said uh, to the attorney general, which was Elliot Richardson, I want Archibald Cox fired. I want that special prosecutor fired. That was that Saturday night. Elliot Richardson, the attorney general, a man of high moral character, said, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I know you've told me to fire him, but I cannot in good faith do that. And so the president fired Elliot Richardson. The assistant attorney general was a guy named Ruckelshaus. Ruckelshaus, you fire Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor. I can't do that either. Nixon fired him. This is how we're getting to the Saturday Night Massacre. The last guy they went to, or the next guy they went to, was a fellow named Robert Bork. You might remember him because a few years later he was uh, nominated for the Supreme Court and the Senate didn't confirm him, and that really was the beginning of the wars we have over the Supreme Court. But anyway, so Bork goes ahead and fires Archibald Cox. The Senate suddenly says, well, this is much too much. And finally, a United States senator, a guy from Ohio, um, Senator Saxby, he was a Republican, but an independent kind of Republican, and they made him the attorney general. And then all of a sudden, within the next eight or nine months, Nixon was gone. So the firing of an attorney general because he wants something, the president wants something done, which is questionable, whether it's legal, constitutional, or whatever, brought to mind what Trump was doing this weekend. The acting attorney general wasn't doing what he wanted, and so she got fired. Now, in fairness, these are different issues. Nixon was trying to cover up a crime that he had committed. With Trump, he wasn't yet in trouble. He'd only been president for 10 days or whatever. But he's trying to change the country for the worse, or basically destroy the idea of America. That's not his view of what America ought to be. And he and Bannon and his people, they're trying to just throw everything out. And so now we have this Sally Yates, and the debate now is, was she right? I know in terms of politically we think she's right, but did she have a legal basis for saying, I'm not going to carry out this heinous order? On the face, Trump's order to ban these people from these seven countries, the Muslims, on its face, the order was constitutional because they didn't use the word Muslim in the order. So it's constitutional on its face. But there's another way a law or an order or legislative action can be unconstitutional, and that's in its application. So even though if you read his order that it's not unconstitutional, in the application of it, it became unconstitutional, she believes, because it's not equal protection of the laws. You're picking on a particular religion. And the rule has nothing to do with its stated purpose. The rule was put in for the stated purpose of increasing the security of the United States. But the seven countries he picked, and just picking Muslims, and antagonizing the entire Islamic world, which only helps ISIS recruit, antagonizing every Muslim country whose help we need in finding these terrorists. 
We don't even speak the language. We need these Middle Eastern countries to help us find the bad guys. And if we suddenly say to the world, oh, by the way, you people, you're not welcome here. Well, screw you. Who's going to help America? America, you're fraudulent, they say. You don't even believe what you say. What is this bit about democracy? What is this bit about doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter what you're, you're welcome. Bullcrap, you're not welcome. That's what Trump is saying. That's what Bannon's saying. That's what's at stake here. I was thinking, why I always get emotional about this? Why this is the fundamental issue of why I become apoplectic thinking about Trump and this nationalist view. And I think in part, because, you know, I went in Monday, you know, we were taping shows, and it, 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 in a sense, all the young people that work on the show, et cetera, it's, it's kind of a good barometer because it, is, it really is a cross-section of America. And there are a bunch of the people that work on the show, they probably voted for Trump. And even those that voted for Hillary, there was really the thing they were talking about, most of them, was that there were, you know, what chaos at the airports. And it strikes me that you almost, there is a different view of America f that immigrants have that people that are born here and live here for a bunch of generations can't possibly have. Because if you're born in America and your parents were born here, etc., it's, you learn about it in school, what the American flag means, that we're a nation of of different uh, religions and everyone's welcome here. You learn that. And you spot it off like you learn anything else. That's America. But those of us who really are immigrants or recent immigrants, and our parents were, or our grandparents, we grew up with that at the dinner table. In other words, immigrants really know, and you saw that with the people at the airport, they know what America means. We say it because we just memorized it in school. But if you've lived other places in the world and you've lived under dictatorships or horrible areas, etc., where you're discriminated against, America is it. It's the only place on earth. People aren't lining up trying to get into Syria. Anywhere in the world, even countries that supposedly hate us, the masses of the people there would love a chance to come and live in America. That's what an immigrant who finally gets here understands. This is special. This multiculturalism isn't just a political position, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. It's America. And if you don't believe in that and understand it and feel it, then what the hell are you standing up at the seventh inning singing the national anthem? You're just reciting, like a seven-year-old kid who doesn't understand it. That's why this is such a fundamental issue to which Trump cannot be forgiven. That's why he has no business being president of the United States, because he doesn't even understand what this country is.
if you're a new listener, you should understand it's been covered on previous episodes, but Jerry Springer is literally himself an immigrant. I'm the son of an immigrant mom from Italy. My mom came over when she was seven. You came over the age of five or so Mm -hmm. from London after your parents had escaped from uh, the Holocaust, basically, from during World War II. So that's why this is uh, a a very serious issue to Jerry. Bass. Who's that guy with the hearing aid? I hate you. <laughs> I think he stepped out. But I did we have music ask you now. This. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask Mavis Guitar to come up, this uh, duo, to join us. But as they're setting up, and uh, I wanted to ask you, Jerry, and I don't want to give away exactly where you live. Well, first of all, you have eight houses, so it's I don't know how anybody would find you. 6295 Weather Terrace Lane. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> No idea. Sarasota, Florida. Yeah. There's going to be some person <laughs> living at Weather at Terrace 60 Lane. At 6295 Weather Terrace Lane. That's going to be real upset as rocks are thrown through their window. <laughs> I didn't say what city or state. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you live in this wonderful home on the water in, the, let's just say, the Sarasota area. And uh, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> there are tour boats, are there not, where people this who are tourists. This is ridiculous. So let's set it up. The tourists, like, pay some money to a, a, a boat. There is a boat. Boat, like, a, yeah, a, that tourists a tour get boat. on. And the boat goes around uh, the area where we live, and we live on the water. And they go, you know, and they show the various houses and stuff like that. And they, on the boat, because we can hear the loudspeakers, they're coming by. And Mickey and I are running behind the trees so we can have some <laughs> privacy. Uh, oh, you see that? And this is what they said. You see that pink house over there? That's Jerry Springer's house. The reason it's pink is because it's his daughter's favorite color, and he promised his daughter he would paint the house her favorite color. Is that true, Jerry? What? <laughs> <laughs> What's Katie's favorite color? Uh, a, uh, no, a, a purple, but... Um... <laughs> What's the name? Lavender or violet? Lavender. 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 Okay. And uh, I remember that because at the wedding, everything had to be lavender. But anyway. So, but uh, but just the absurdity. They just make up. So so I'm wondering, all these, you know, you go on these trips, you have these guides telling you stuff. It's all all made up. It's all crap. (laughs) Because when you bought that house, I know It was pink. It was pink when you bought it. Yeah, maybe that guy's daughter loved Uh, pink. Yeah, that could have been. It's a good story. Hey, we have uh, Mavis Guitar. Let's hear a round of applause for them. And they're made up of uh, Travis Talbert and Joe Mitchell. And by the way, Travis Talbert plays guitar with a group that's performed here before. We love this group, Frontier Folk Nebraska. And so we're glad to see you back. Yeah, yeah. good to see Joe you Joe was here when we did that. Uh, he played cello with us. Okay. Cool. So Joe oh, Mitchell... Uh, has a group also called the Mitchells, and uh, do a song for us, guys, and we'll talk a little bit after All right, that.
really nice. That's really nice, guys. Mavis Guitar. And by the way, they're, uh, they have an album out called Louisville via Boston. You can also hear them at mavisguitar.bandcamp.com. You guys, you're strictly instrumental when you perform with this group? Yes. Is it true? Yeah. Um, this all kind of came about. I had a Boston Terrier named Mavis uh, who a few years ago she had cancer. And uh, I started writing a bunch of that. Actually, that one was kind of the, uh, the anomaly. Uh, the rest of the songs that are on the record, I wrote kind of like after she got sick, and then uh, and shortly after she died, Joe and I kind of got together and started working on these, and uh, we went and we recorded them with a friend of ours named Daniel Martin Moore in Louisville. So that's the Louisville and the Boston. Yeah. Um, and then Joe brought, um, you know, like that song, and then kind of uh, just a different way of going about them, and you know, uh, they've all been kind of intended to be uh, meditative and reflective and things like that. No. Boy, it has that feel. It's yeah. beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Play a second song for us, would you? All right, cool. forgot what we are going to do. <laughs> yeah, so this is called Spot Poles, uh, which is named after a uh, like an old baseball player name. That's, I just like that name.
Travis Guitar, Travis Talbert, and Joe Mitchell. And you, again, you can hear their music at uh, mavisguitar.bandcamp.com. Mm. We've asked Casey Campbell to come in and join us. Casey's our music coordinator here at the Jerry Springer Podcast. And uh, we're going to close whoop, out whoop. with uh, <laughs> Down by the Riverside, because yeah. we are down by the Riverside. We're yes. a stone's throw from the Ohio Riverbank. And uh, so, Casey, lead us. Jerry Springer will take one of the verses uh, if it's okay. I guess so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Your name is on the show. I, I thought we, we talked about this, sing. Casey. I thought we talked <laughs> about this. <laughs> Jerry.